This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode three of Retired Racehorse Radio on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Riding Warehouse, and Smooth Stride Jeans. Retired Racehorse Radio is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse, brought to you in cooperation with the Thoroughbred Makeover and New Vocations. Today, we are bringing you an episode of Celebrity Status. Travis White from TaylorMade takes us to the breeding shed to talk to us about how high-stakes breeders pair mares and stallions in hopes of breeding that next Triple Crown winner. By the way, they also stand a little horse you might have heard of called California Chrome. Then, in keeping with our breeding theme, Kyle Rothfuss, also known as that OTTB guy comes on to talk about his non-traditional method to breeding his first filly. And rumor has it, he's a big announcement for his makeover horse worthy of wings. And of course, Leandra from new vocations brings us our winner's circle adoptable horse of the week. So listen in. And they're off on Retired Racehorse Radio, the podcast that is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse. This is Jamie Jennings in Norman, Oklahoma. And this is Joy Hills from Kalamazoo, Michigan, and you're listening to Retired Racehorse Radio. Oh my gosh, it's episode three. This is amazing, and I love that we've kind of kept it in order. So if you're listening to this episode, you're going to miss a little bit from episode one and two on kind of how the thoroughbred comes to be, and we get to talk today about the breeding aspect of it and how is the weather up in Kalamazoo because my makeover horse, I feel like I am so far behind because the weather has sucked this winter. Oh, I mean, it's just so peachy out there with those negative temps and face hurting wind. You know, I, I'm living the dream in this Arctic circle we call <laughs> Michigan right now. But yeah, I mean, I definitely feel some setback. I've had a lot of time to review some of the trainings and stuff that I've wanted to invest in. So I'm getting a lot of training. My horses are just getting really fat. It's been a good time. <laughs> well, my husband and I recently moved to Norman, Oklahoma from Phoenix, Arizona. So everything is shocking to me. I've lived in Arizona for 10 years and this thing called winter is not okay with me. And then we built a barn. That's great. We should have built a freaking heated barn. Oh my God. When it's negative four outside, you don't, you don't want to do anything with your horse. I don't know how you survive in Michigan. It's got to be frustrating. You know, it's past winters haven't been that bad. Like last winter, we had a ton of snow and the temperatures were like negative temps daily. And I still went out riding, you know, you just bundle up, get your heated vest and your Arctic skirt and you're good to go. But this winter, it's just been, it gets hot really quick. So all the snow melts and then it freezes over the next day. So it's just been like this icy tundra. All my horses have bruised hooves right now. So I feel horrible for that. They're just kind of tiptoeing around. But tonight they actually got to stay inside because my horses are out 24-7 mostly. And that, that's just been uh, an interesting time. <laughs> that is nice. I know the 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 horse that I have is slated for the makeover. I I there's a a makeover Facebook page for trainers, and mm. I guess if you you know you are a previous trainer or a current trainer, you get added to this page. And I've been seeing people go, you know, there's people posting pictures and videos of their horses jumping to six. And I'm like, it is freaking March. You can't do that. That's not fair to those of us who are like, well easy 
slow down (laughs) like just barely getting on but there's some people that haven't even got their horse yet and i think part of the conversation on that page is don't freak out you have plenty of time so i'm trying to be a little more zen the other horse i got my kind of back over backup makeover horse he came to me with those heel grabs on his race plates and in the stall or wherever he just ripped his heels open. So he, he's almost completely healed from that. So now he can finally get started. I haven't sat on him yet. I am so far behind. I'm so frustrated. Make me feel better. People send me an email or something, letting me know that I'm not alone in this frustration. I think I'm even more sensitive to joy because of the Phoenix was my last winter. I miss it. Oh. <laughs> well, I mean, if it, it's any consolation. I've been stalking our weather channel. I, like people probably think I have a crush on our weather man at this point, the amount of time <laughs> I've been watching it. And it looks like in Michigan, we're going to get real close to consistent, like almost 50 degrees. Oh, so my you gosh. guys might actually be at 50 degrees next oh week. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I that think is my gift to chance, you. So. <laughs> yeah. With that warm air comes rain. So thanks, Joy. It's all your fault. <laughs> you want well, rain or four degrees, Jamie? Like I'm not a miracle worker here. Me neither. I want to go back to Arizona. <laughs> uh, all right. It's not you. possible. So here we go. We're going to talk a little bit to some of our guests about breeding. We're going to have some training tips and we're going to talk to, we have a new sponsor today. So I'm really excited. Let's get started. Woo. Let's do it. She had waited all her life for this moment, dreaming about it since she was 10 years old. The trailer ramp touched the ground. He whinnied as she backed him out, swinging his head around to get a good look at his new home. His coat gleamed in the sun. Her love had arrived. She was breathless. He was beautiful. She could hardly wait to tack him up and start off on what she was sure would be the best times of her life. This love story is brought to you by Contribute, providing essential omega-3 fatty acids that help maintain low inflammation levels throughout your horse's body. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Call 859-873-2974 or visit kppusa.com to order today. Well, we are lucky enough to talk to Travis White. He is the Stallion Nominations Manager at TaylorMadeStallions.com, TaylorMade Farms in Lexington, Kentucky. He has been the Stallion Nominations Manager since 2007. He's got 15 years of experience in just that area of expertise. So he works with all the TaylorMade Stallions, knows everybody and everything in Lexington. So let's welcome Travis White. Hey, how are you guys? Well, we are great. Thank you so much for coming on. We're kind of wanting to walk people through how their off-the-track thoroughbred kind of came to be. So while I want you to walk us through the start of, you know, kind of how horses are bred, you don't have to, you know, tell us everything about how horses. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I understand. What I do want to talk about is obviously – all thoroughbreds are bred with live covers. So there's no AI, no artificial insemination. So this makes every mating very important. What are some of the things that people look at when they are trying to breed the next Derby winner? Well, I mean, I think a lot of it, I mean, it depends on what level you're at and kind of what your goals are. You know, here in Kentucky, I mean, obviously a big commercial market so a lot of these guys are you know they're breeding for the commercial market it's you know produce big good-looking horses that uh, are by 
very good stallions, good mares, have good pedigrees. So, I mean, and then you have your, your smaller regional programs where they might just, you know, they've had a hard knocking, you know, Philly on the racetrack that, you know, maybe she was an allowance type racehorse, just couldn't, you know, take the step. You know, she was a good horse. And um, so that what they'll try to do is maybe breed out of her and, you know, continue, you know, with the family, you know, and, and racing the the, uh, the foals out of her. So, but basically, I mean, you know, a lot of it, like I said, it depends on what kind of mare you've got and kind of what your budget, what your goals are. I mean, stallions, you know, they fluctuate. Stud fees anywhere from you can probably get free seasons to certain horses on up to, you know, to where you get to the, you know, the tappets, the medagadoros you know, those, you know, the war fronts of the world. So, I mean, it just really depends on kind of uh, what direction you want to go and, you know, how much you're willing to, to risk or spend to get there. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about TaylorMade because I have a dream, Travis, and it is a dream where I will own a California Chrome baby someday. Okay. And it's going to have four white socks in a place and it's going to be so pretty. So tell us about your stallions that y'all have. So currently, right now, we've got uh, we've got six stallions that we that we stand there at the farm. We've obviously got, you know, California Chrome is the headliner. His first group of foals are like, that just turned yearlings. So you actually had the opportunity to buy one coming up here, you know, as early as July, you know, all the way through September and October at the yearling sales. And then we also got we have two other horses that have, you know, their their crop is it's the same, you know, the same age. We have not this time. It was a very good racehorse, got injured in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. He ran a really good second. Breeders' Cup Juvenile took a classic empire. But anyway, so okay. he's a, you know, he's, he's a half-brother to Liam's map. He's got a really good mare named Miss Macy Sue. And he was actually born and raised at the farm. The mare's still there, you know, so we're excited about him. He's a, he's a horse that the commercial breeders really have, have latched on to. He's a big, good-looking, you know, the son of John's Causeway. So people like him. And then we have M. Swish. He's a son of Medagliadoro. He's a great one on dirt and turf. So he was very, you know, that was very attractive for us to have a horse, you know, first of all, by Medagliadoro. And then one that was versatile enough to win a, you know, great one on dirt and turf, which mm-hmm. is very difficult to do. So we have those three who has first crop of yearlings. And then we have Midnight Storm. His first foals are just now dropping. He's a son of Pioneer the Nile. You know, a, a great one on the turf, a great two one on the dirt. So, again, he kind of gave us some versatility for breeders. And, so, wait, uh, wouldn't that be a sibling to uh, American Pharaoh? No, he would not. They're by the same sire, but in, 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 in order to be a sibling, you've got to be, you know, female related. So, if you had, uh, if they had the same mother, they would be, you know, either a half sibling or a full sibling or, you know, whatnot so so if they have the same daddy you don't consider them related is that just like a thoroughbred thing right exactly i mean because basically each horse will produce i mean they'll probably breed in a good year 140 to 150 mares so you're gonna have you know we'll have over 100 california chrome yearlings you know running around uh that could hit the track at some point in time you know next year I mean, you think at Christmas time they'd want to hang out to be like cousins and half brothers and everything, you know? I mean, my gosh, nope, not if you're you're on the boys' side. Well, okay, nah, so that's kinda, interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. So who else? And you have, I think, two more. Yeah, we've got Daddy Longlegs. He's he's a son of Scat Daddy. He was a great stakes winner over in Europe and over in uh, Dubai. He actually his started out standing in, in Chile in South America, and the first crop he, he was a champion first crop sire. He had a great one winner two-year-old champion from his first crop. So we bought him with, with Phoenix Thoroughbred, 
Biting over here and hoping that we can have you know the same success here as you know as he did down there, and then we got Gradar. Gradar's first crop is our actually four year olds, so he, he's our only proven sire at the moment. You know he's just, he just son of unbridled song, who which which we stood on unbridled song. He was the first diamond we've ever had at the operation, so it was neat to have a son of you know the son of a son of unbridled song. He's got a couple of nice you know some, some really nice horses out there. Okay, so. Seeing that, I really want a California Chrome baby. I'm going to go to the sale. And what do you think? Uh, what do you think is going to run me? You know, that, that's a well. <laughs> the thing about this is that there's going to be plenty of opportunities, depending on the pedigree. You know how they look. You know, as far as confirmation goes, and then how they X-ray. All those factors play a big role in, in what a horse you know costs. I mean, so cause, you know, if if you're an, a big owner with a, a large pocketbook. You're going to have an agent, so, <laughs> but I think there'll, there'll be plenty of opportunities to, you know, to buy a California Chrome at all price ranges. So, all right. I'll just have to wait till they retire. Okay. So yes. say I've got a mare and gosh, I mean, I can't even pick a, a bloodline, but if you have a mare, what are some of the things that you look for in a stallion that somebody, you know, just just a regular person, just Joe Schmo, you know, is going to go and he's going to get a breed to a stallion. What are some of the sure. like most classic things people look for and want? You know, I think one of the main things is is a physical. I mean, you want to have a good match for your mare physically. So, I mean, if you've got a very small, you know, say your mare's I don't know, 15 to, you know, as far as the commercial market goes, you probably don't want to breed to a small stallion. So you don't like to breed something. That might be a little bit bigger, have some, you know, a little scopey, you know, some range to it to kind of give you a better, hopefully, individual uh, if you do just have to sell. But I mean, there's other, there's what they call nicking where they kind of, you know, there's a couple of different, you know, nicking where like they, you put your mare's name in against the stallion. And what it'll do, it'll kind of show you that the success rate, if your mare's by, you know, say she's from the Stormcat line. And you want to breed her to the to the unbridled um, line. There's like a there's some some calculations you can that get plugged in, and it'll say this is a considered a, a good mating. Um, so that's one that's another route people take. And also a lot of people like to breed certain female families together. You know, if you've got a mare that's from just say like numbered accounts family, you might want to bring that family back into her and duplicate it. So you look for a stallion like California Chrome, who has number to count in his pedigree and try to duplicate that, um, that family. So, but man, I think the main thing would be, you know, confirmation, you know, the physical part of it, and mm-hmm. then the quote unquote nicking or trying to breed, you know, tr- trying to bring back certain families into the, into the, uh, the mating. And then obviously, you know, price. I mean, so if your mare is not worth, you know, if she's not worth, let's say she's a 10, 15, $20,000 mare, you, you're probably not going to want to spend more than, you know, five or $10,000 for study. Okay. Okay. So that's interesting. So at at TaylorMade, do you guys make recommendations? If someone has a mare, do you make any recommendations for a stallion that would work well for that mare? Yeah. All the time. Yeah, definitely. Again, and and a lot of our stuff is going to be based, you know, commercial, like most of our, our owners are commercial breeders. So we're going to avoid, you know, certain stallions that may have they they may not produce what we consider a commercial, like, like a good physical, or say a, if a stallion is in his third or fourth year, you don't want to take that risk because uh, you know basically you have to think about when you're breeding a mare, say this year, 2019, you won't sell that horse. Say if you if you sell the yearling, you're going to be selling in 2021. 
So if you're breeding a stand in third and fourth year, that you're, you're going to have two crops ahead of that, that yearling on the track as he's trying to sell. And if he doesn't pan out really good, then your buyers will, will tend to back off um, of that, that stallion. That happens quite a bit. Gosh, you have to like see into the future to be able to do this. It's very, it's very difficult. Yeah, (laughs) It seems to me. So basically there's a whole lot of thought that goes into what mare gets bred to what stallion. What would you say the percentage of breeders that breed for commercial purposes versus the ones that breed for their own racing stables? Mm, I would say it's at least 80 85% 85% probably really are commercial breeders. It, so it, they're it's really changed. Yeah. The last, yeah, the last decade, I mean, it's really changed. It's, it's um, yeah, it's, it's changed quite a bit and flip flopped. I wish it was back the other way. Um, but unfortunately it's not right now. So why do you think that a is commercial market? You know, I think that, well, first of all, it's expensive to, to maintain a, you know, a, a big racing operation. If you're keeping a mare at a farm here in Kentucky, it can run anywhere from you know thirty to forty dollars per day, and you had the foal and she had the yearling, so there's a lot of expenses that go into it. So I think a lot of these big operations that that do race, they also sell to kind of try to offset some of those expenses. Okay. So like wow. an operation like say Windstar or Stone Street, you know those guys are going to try to sub, you know they got a huge you know they have payrolls and you know farms to run and. You know, always mm-hmm. trying to do, you know, improvements to the farm. So I mean, it's a, they, you know, they're going to try to sell some other stuff also, you know, just to kind of help run the operation. Right, right. Okay. So, so at that commercial level, I want to take my mare in. What are the steps for me to get her through to the breeding shed if I wanted that California Chrome baby? So what you would do is you would submit the mare. She would call me and say, hey, I've got this mare. I'd like to breed a California Chrome. What can you do? So we would, you know, and it's the first year of a stallion is usually like the most popular. So what would, and as a stallion operation, our goal is to get, you know, if, you, if we're going to breed 140 or 145 mares, our goal is to get the best 140, 45 mares that we can. So we'll kind of look at the mares. We'll either approve her or not approve her. And if she's approved, then we'll go ahead and, and generate a contract, you know, for the stud fee. Like his first year, he stood for 40,000. So we would, you know, submit the mayor's name. We'd, we'd have her produce history, her sales history, you know, and do some research on, on her. And then, like I said, if approved, we would generate a contract. You would sign off on the contract. And basically, it just depends on her current stat. You know, if she's a barren mare or a maiden mare off the track, um, you know, you're just waiting for her to come in heat. And then, uh, you know, have the vet check her. And when he'll say, you know, say he checks her today and he thinks she needs to be bred on on Thursday or Friday, the place where that, that marriage located, whenever she's boarded at, they will call our office and get her on the books for Thursday or Friday. And you just keep checking the mare. And then we, we keep, flip, you know, if, if we need to change the days, like, cause sometimes they'll, they'll fall back a day or they might move up a day. It kind of depends on, you know, where they are in their cycle, but over. Yeah. So, so we do that and then she'll get bred. They'll check her for pregnancy, probably, you know, 15 days after being bred. And they'll check her again at 28 days and again at 42 days. Mm-hmm. And then as long as she stays pregnant, then, you know, you just wait to, you know, to, to have the baby, you know, about 11 months later. Okay. That's, I mean, that seems and like pretty straightforward stuff. stuff. Most, of our, most of our stuff is done on live foal standard nurse. You don't owe us okay. a stud fee. 
until the actual mayor produces a lot of it stands in there. Okay, so that's when the stud fee is collected. And so I guess my Correct. last question with that, too, is after she has the foal, what would my steps be to say, you know, California Chrome has a new colt on the ground. Do you guys take that information in or what are those steps? Yes. Yeah, so what you do is uh, breeders, they submit a, what they call a uh, live foal report to the jockey club. So that'll come through to us and that, that will kind of initiate the, you know, the process of, of an invoice getting sent out. Okay. So it's done online. It's, it's a pretty, it's everything now is pretty, you know, obviously it's computerized and you can do everything online. So it's, it's, you know, it's not, it's a pretty simple process after that. And then, you know, just from that point on, you know, you hopefully get a you know, nice healthy foal that has no issues and, and can kind of go on and live a normal life and hopefully at some point make it to a cell or, you know, to the racetrack at some point. Or to the Derby Winner's Circle, which is probably to, every yeah, that'd be nice, yeah. Breeders' <laughs> Cup, you know, all the breeders dream of going oh, to the Breeders' yeah. Cup. So, well, Travis, yeah, this has been incredibly informative. Thank you so much. Your no website. Yeah, your website is tailormadestallions.com. Right. And, you know, we just really appreciate the time. Thank you so much. No problem at all. Thank you, guys. Have a good night. All right. Thanks, thanks. Travis. All right. Thanks, guys. Well, it's that amazing time again for our equestrian must-have sponsored by Riding Warehouse. And we're officially in March now, which means those winter coats are probably shedding out over everything, all over you. Your horses are getting uncomfortable and itchy. So I think that Sonia has some great products that might help you and your horse out during this very hairy season. Awesome. Thanks for the introduction. I'm Sonia from Riding Warehouse, and today I want to talk to you about two of my favorite grooming tools. Number one is the Sleek Easy Shedding Blade. Now, I've tried a lot of different shedding blades, but the Sleek Easy is by far the most effective one I've encountered. It's nice on your horse's skin, unlike a lot of those other blades, and it's actually really easy to hold in your hand, which is a big problem I've personally had with those shedding blades, but they're just really kind of awkward to get a hang of. So I loved it so much that I got two for when the blade on this one gets dull. And now everyone at my barn uses one as well. I actually have one too. And, you know, I have four horses. That's a lot of hair. And, you know, especially the senior horses get quite wooly. And that, you know, the sleek easy makes it such a breeze to just kind of get all that winter hair out within the first couple weeks of the shedding season. So I'm really excited that you brought this product forward. But I, I think you got some extra goodies to talk about. Yeah, definitely. So grooming-wise, we just got in a bunch of brand-new Haas brushes. So to be honest, Haas is probably one of the nicest brands we carry in terms of those grooming tools. And we have a huge variety from those soft brushes for the face, the hard brushes for that crusty mud. And my personal favorite is the new Lambswool Diva Girly Girl brush if you want to give your horse a super luxurious pampering. It's got this super nice, soft pink Lambswool in the center. Your horse is just going to love it. Yeah. And I was actually looking at these brushes and reading the product description. And I love that it doesn't need nails or staples. It's really high quality and made well, but the price, you know, you just can't beat it. That's amazing. Yeah. It's not any other company makes their brushes like Hosty, where they have that all in one kind of design where no staples is going to last for years. Absolutely. So Sonia, where can people find these products and learn a little bit more about them? So you can visit us online at ridingwarehouse.com. Awesome. And of course, you're always very engaging with your listeners and your 
customers. So where can they find you? I know you guys got some cool stuff happening right now. Yeah, so in the last episode, I mentioned our RW Style campaign. On Instagram specifically, we have another really exciting campaign in the works. We're campaigning to get 10,000 followers. We're super close, and we're going to celebrate it the only way we know how, and that's with a massive giveaway, the biggest we've ever done. There will be three baskets, one English, one Endurance, one Western, each with a retail value of anywhere from $700 to $1,000. Wow. We're super close to our goal, and if you're interested in getting in on the fun, our Instagram profile is at Riding Warehouse, all one word, lowercase, no spaces. Oh, my gosh. I feel like if I enter, is that cheating? Do I get an extra win? I need to look into this. But, you know, I think our listeners at least will be very excited. We know how, you know, our horses, our well, our X-ray sources are so versatile. They can do English. They do endurance. They do Western. So this is really something that all of our listeners can participate in. So make sure to check them out at Riding Warehouse on Instagram. And don't forget to check out all their great products at www.ridingwarehouse.com. Thanks so much, Sonia. Jamie, you know, I have to take advantage of the fact that you are a certified Monty Roberts instructor. And we got a question from one of our listeners, Rebecca, about her off-the-track thoroughbred. And she's having some issues keeping her horse still. Do you have any recommendations (laughs) for her? Gosh, that is such a common problem, especially with any horse. That's a common problem is teaching them to stand still kind of our instinct when our horse moves is to correct it, to correct it, to correct it. You know, you, you, it's like think of the hunter ring when you have to walk and line up in the center of the arena facing away from the judge and they look at your number. I was always that jerk, you know, that was like start doing circles, circles, circles. And now I've figured out that everything I was doing was wrong in the way that it pertains to the way that the horse learns. Okay. So the way that the way you want to kind of approach that is there are consequences for actions. Okay. And consequences are not pain mediated or anything like that. A consequence would be a reaction, something that happens when the horse makes a decision. So say you take your horse to the center of the arena and you want to stand and talk to your girlfriend or talk to your boyfriend sitting right next to you on the horse next to you. And your horse won't stand still and it goes to walk and you want to just grab it and stop it and grab it and stop it. Here is the way to let's like kind of retrain ourselves. You, I want my horse when I ask it to halt, I want my horse to, to, to walk off. Come on. I'm going to say, I take my horse up to the middle and I ask it to stop and I drop my hands and I relax. How many times you go to like, fiddle with your reins or some of your horse just walks off. That's, that's a great opportunity to train your horse, to teach your horse something new. So your horse walks off, get this in your brain, let your horse walk off three steps. And then once it commits to making that mistake and it walks off three steps, that's when the consequence for its decision comes up. And what is that consequence? to back up six, walk off three. Okay, fine. That's cool. No problem. Shorten your reins, back it up six steps, drop your hands. It looks around for a second. Like what the heck just happened? Uh, I'm going to go. 
and they walk off three steps. If you don't let them commit to that mistake, they're not going to know what they're being corrected for or stopped for. So you Mm -hmm. let them walk off three steps and back them up six. Drop your hands. Drop through. I mean, I'll like hold the buckle. Boom. Super loose reins. Please walk off. Let's go. They walk off three. Back up six. Walk off three. Back up six. Drop your hands. Walk off three. Back up six. Drop your hands. And all of a sudden they go, ooh. Wait a second. I don't want to back up. You don't see horses out in the pasture, Joy, backing up for fun. You know, they just, they don't like to back up. They don't run around backwards. It's not something super pleasing for a horse, especially an off the track thoroughbred. That's not the direction that they're used to going. So you use that to give them a consequence for their action. Again, you cannot introduce pain to a thoroughbred. If you, you yank on it or you whip it or you do something, you're going to create tension and you're going to create insecurities and you're going to create more problems than you start with. So try to think of ways you guys to train your horse, to make them want to make the right decision. Does that make sense? I think so. I think that's great advice, especially, you know, thoroughbreds, any new horse that you get, it's going to be a little bit nervous in the beginning, going to be a little bit anxious. So definitely taking that time, being calm and connected with them and just let them slowly learn, have the patience. You're going to get better results. So I love your advice. I think it's and, perfect. Well, you got to remember too, the younger the horse is, the harder it's going to be for them to keep their brain busy. So don't get on a two-year-old and stand in the middle of the arena for two hours. You know, like, like give them a break. A release for them is to walk off. So Get them to where you stand still. They're standing still. Your hands are low. You're holding the buckle. And then, okay, now we can go. You know, don't like make it a punishment to stand still and don't over, you know, like overwork their brain uh, and their feet get to get a little itchy in their feet. Walk them around, but then ask them to stop, Absolutely. make them stop, back them up, and then keep going again and then do the next thing. I make standing still a huge part of my everyday training just like standing still for the mounting block, Mm -hmm. just like, you know, and we can work on the mounting block on another training tip, but all of these things are so important to teach a horse, especially someday. You know, I think of like, if I had a horse that my mama needed to get on, my mama's 70 something years old. If I had a horse, I needed her to mount. I wanted to dang well stand still at the mounting block. And this kind of goes with that same thing. If you go to get on your horse and it walks off, let it walk off three steps, back it up six, get off, start mm-hmm. again. That's what I do. And it works. So please give it a try. If you guys have any questions, you can always email me at jamie at horseradionetwork.com. Awesome. Thanks, Jamie. Well, we have a new sponsor. I am so excited to welcome because I've been a fan for many years. Smooth stride jeans. Smooth stride jeans. Anytime I wear these jeans, Joy, people go, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, tell me about your pants. Those are so cool because it is a riding jean, okay? Stretched denim, not like super stretchy, but stretchy enough to be functional. It's a functional stretch riding jean denim with a cell phone pocket that is built for horse people. It's on top of the thigh. I get so irritated when I go to put on jeans and... Just regular jeans that don't have that cell phone pocket. I'm like, where am I supposed to put my phone? Because I'm spoiled well, now. not just As that. It, like, regular jeans, you don't work for riding. It is the no. most uncomfortable thing. And 
Well, and it, it's true. Uh, when you have your cell phone on the top of your thigh in the cell phone pocket, you can mount and dismount and not have your phone fall out of your back pocket and get cracked like somebody's is. That, you know. <laughs> <clears throat> the best of all, uh, it also has this waist on it that is specifically designed for riders. It's a little high in the back, higher in the back uh, for when you're mounting or picking a hoof or bending over next to a gate or filling a water bucket, whatever you do. Uh, it's not going to show you a crack. Okay. <laughs> and then the front rise is lower for comfort. Also check this out. You know, when you get on in your jeans and there's like all the fabric kind of meets in a very oh, specific part. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's that's not there. There's no inseams on the inner thighs either. There's no lump in the seat area. There's no, anyway, it's an amazing jean. Smoothstride.com. You can go see the three different styles. Can you tell I'm a fan? Like I have, I have a couple of different ones. I have, they had the plain riding jean, which has no leather on it or no, uh, of the material that kind of helps to you wear stick. out outside the barn as well, which is just, a, Oh a yeah. Plus. It's a win-win. You can wear them anywhere. Uh, you can wear them anywhere or anywhere, anytime you're doing any barn work or you're just, uh, you know, I, when I'm working horses in the round pen, I always have my smooth stride on. Uh, they have the plain riding jean. The extended knee patch, which is uh, like if you had knee patch, knee patch breeches on, but they start above your knee and they go all the way down to the floor. So it's almost like full seats, but they don't, they don't cover your butt. And then they also have full seats. Sizes range from four to 22. And what's really cool is that all the sizes have little horsey names. Like I wanted to wear the Mustang, but I don't <laughs> think I'm skinny enough. So I'd wear like the Andalusian or or something. I don't know. Uh, but all of them have different horsey names. Again, you can check out everything at smoothstride.com. Well, well, well worth it. Well, Jamie, I'm so excited. We're going to have someone who's very near and dear to my heart. And, you know, if it wasn't for this person, retired racehorse radio probably wouldn't even be a thing. So we're having on Kyle Rolfus, who is not just, you know, my mentor, but he got me my horse. He was Aww. actually... I know he was a foster for new vocations and he had my horse uh, fast and firm um, and was able to pair her with me. It was, I think it was trickery. Honestly, he knew. That's a great name, by the way, fast and firm. I want to hear from our listeners. I, you guys, please send us, you know what? I'll do a post on retired racehorse radio on Facebook. I want to know what y'all's racehorse jockey yeah. club names are sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you with Kyle, no but, but you know what that post. gives me yeah. a great idea that we should do like a uh, mock elections for racehorse names. <laughs> we're <laughs> we'll gonna have to look into this we're gonna brainstorm but yes yeah, so we're gonna have kyle on and he's going to be telling us about um his first filly he's going to talk about the kind of the unconventional ways of how he ended up breeding and being i don't want to say the amateur owner because he is a professional but he's that small scale he's like you and me who's just well, trying to love our horses and balance life at the same bring time. Bring him on. Making... Let's, let's get yes, him on. Yes, let's get on Kyle and give him a big welcome. Well, I'm so excited, Kyle, that you are joining us today because, well, I mean, you're one of my favorite people. You've been a mentor for me. <laughs> Help me get my horse. I mean, there's so much going on, but you're just such an advocate for thoroughbreds. And since we're talking about breeding, you took a kind of untraditional path into breeding your very first filly. So I'd love to learn a little bit more about what you did exactly. Tell us about Stallion Madness from last year. 
Yeah. So my, my mayor, Lady McJazz, who was born name is Freya. She was my 2015 thoroughbred makeover mayor and actually the one that kind of kicked off all my involvement in that. And when I decided that I wanted to breed her first, I went through a process of um, making sure I took her to the Hanoverian inspection, actually, because they're notoriously challenging when they uh, do their evaluations to make sure that she was, you know, quality enough and not just that I was in love with her. But then when I decided to pick a stallion, I knew I wanted to go with a thoroughbred because I wanted to have a foal that I could race if I wanted. And also just because obviously I love thoroughbreds. I've got a, my, a handful of them. And so I actually opened it up to my Facebook page to kind of say, I, I narrowed down to 30 stallions that were potential matches from my perspective that would be horses that could run well, uh, that might produce a good, a good race baby, but also ones that would have a good sport horse potential in the future and opened it up as a bracket so that my Facebook following could actually each week we did a head to head bracketed style voting. It started with just um, black and white headless photos. I did it without heads so that people could really just focus in on the next set, the body, and not really recognize, oh, I know that horse. We did them in black and white for the same reason. All the way through to we looked at criteria from the horse's racing career, where they stood, how much their stud fee was. I wanted people to really understand what all should go into picking a, a, the right sire um, and how, that, how many factors play into it. So it was just a lot of fun. We ended up narrowing it down to a sire named Vertiformer, who stands in Ohio, amazing sport horse build, very nice uphill, huge hip, and all of his babies have shown the same way. So it was who we went with. And now I have a lovely, giant 11-month-old filly in my backyard. I just think that's so amazing that you, you took that educational route, but she's, well, first off, I think we should talk about her amazing name because I love it. <laughs> so yeah, we ended up going with Lady Diana Former. So Vertiformer's sire is Dynaformer. And Freya's uh, jockey club name is Lady McJazz. And I'm a huge fan of Wonder Woman. So I wanted uh, keeping the, and all my mares are like Freya 17 hands. Uh, Vertiformer was 17 one. I don't have a horse under 16 two in my, ha- in, in my, in my yard. So I knew that she was going to be a big Amazonian type baby. And <laughs> I decided that we went with Lady, Lady Diana Former uh, to kind of give a nod to both uh, Sire and Damlines, as well as my love of, of of Wonder Woman. So her barn name is just Diana with a Y. Yes. And I mean, if anyone follows you on Facebook, they know that she is well aware that she is royalty the way she acts at your farm. (laughs) Um, But she's absolutely gorgeous. Um, But I'd love to learn a little bit. So you talked about you want to race her eventually. Right. And I think it's interesting because we just got done talking to um, Travis White from TaylorMade who kind of takes that commercial end of the breeding spectrum but right. you're, you know, you're working a full-time job, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you technically have a, a smaller operation. How right. are you going to manage this? What's your plan for Lady Diana Farmer? Yeah. So she's going to probably next winter go away to boarding school in Florida if she's mm-hmm. physically ready. Um, so I have actually, around my, one of my 2017 makeover mayor, Quality Hay, uh, we, who's called Q, she actually, I still have her because I seem to collect them after every makeover. And she, uh, her race trainers and race owners that retired her, actually, they go to Florida every winter and they have horses that have run like on Kentucky Oaks Day. They do a really great job with starting babies. So my plan is right now to potentially send her to Florida for the winter next year to let them break her out uh, so that I don't have the, and then it gives me an excuse to fly to Florida all winter from Ohio. <laughs> so I have no problem there uh, to get down there and see her. The other option is to, if she's not quite at the point that she's going to be ready, because she only will be, she'll be a short two-year-old at that point. She'll, she was an April full. 
So if she's not quite physically ready for that, I'll keep her here through the winter. And then she'll go uh, to a race trainer that I know up here that I really, really like, uh, who actually I ended up getting Dove, Golden, who you know, actually Golden Dove. Dove came to me through, uh, through Julie. So I would potentially send her there for training. So yeah, that'll be, that'll be basically, she'll go off to boarding school is the way that it'll make my schedule work. Okay. And I think something that's worthwhile speaking of, so Kyle, you are a level three um, Harmony Horsemanship training, which is the Lindsay Partridge method. And anyone who follows the uh, Retired Racehorse Project knows Lindsay Partridge. Um, Yeah. So what are some of the things you're doing now kind of prepping your foal, which I also think is untraditional of what typically happens for racehorse foals? Yeah. So one of, a lot of what I'm doing is I tend to, I keep a very um, natural approach to my horse as much as possible. All of my mares are barefoot. Um, and for thoroughbreds, they all have great feet. They live on straight hay and oats. No one really, no one gets, they don't have commercial grain in, on the property and they're all actually really in need, in need of a diet right now. But so for Diana, it's the same idea. I'm doing a real gradual weaning with her. So she's 11 months old and still gets turned out with her mom. Um, so she's still part of the herd. She has, uh, but she's made friends with Q actually. And then from a training perspective, like everyone else comes in and goes out at Liberty. She is led with a halter. Uh, every night she gets at least 10 minutes of massage handling. Um, so she's, she's very used to, she's already yielding her hips in each direction, her shoulders, picking up legs. So I can go out in the pasture and she will come to me. So I'm a big, uh, big fan of draw with horses to kind of make them or and encourage them to come to me rather than driving them all the time where you're kind of pushing them away. So we've just been doing a lot of that, a lot of handling from the moment she was born, um, giving her time to really be natural and, and, and be a horse, but also the interactions I'm having are very intentional to get her to know about picking up her feet, yielding her haunches, and, and knowing that I want her to have a little bit of fight because at the track, she's going to have to. I can't make her so incredibly docile that she doesn't want to actually compete. So kind of keeping that balance in mind. I have a question for you, Kyle. So yeah. you've trained a lot of off-the-track thoroughbreds. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think over 100. And yeah, what around. is a kind of a common <laughs> training issue? Yeah. What is a common training issue that you kind of see in most, if not all of them? And how would you fix it to help our listeners and yeah. get a little tip? I think one of the biggest things I find is so when you think about a horse at the track, it, it's, it's yielding to pressure is a lot of times what, what can be an issue. So horses are a one, one thing that I see commonly is horses at the track aren't typically cross-tied. So that tends to be a, a specific training issue that is there where the pressure on both sides of the, of the head is different versus being straight tied. Um, the other, but in general, you think about a horse that's coming down, uh, the, the home stretch, right? They're, 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 they're coming down and they, they might get bumped by another horse. They can't yield right away. They've got to kind of almost lean into pressure. So there's a difference in the way that you, you want to, I start with teaching them about moving one foot at a time, really to kind of get that connection there. Cause a lot of times they tend to be job focused and they, once they get forward motion, they keep forward motion. So l- helping them learn that they can move one foot at a time teaching them to yield their haunches left and right, which they know from, from stall cleaning, because most horses at the track, are their, their stalls are cleaned with some welder in them. So they're used to working around people and kind of yielding out of the way. But that feeling of actually applying um, light pressure, like a thumb or, you know, and eventually what's going to end up being a boot against their side, against their, their hip, their shoulders, teaching them that kind of that they need to do that and soften. And then the biggest issue, Jamie, that I see is, people tend to not understand how a horse works off the bit at the track. 
So most people complain that a racehorse will run away with them and then they get tense and they pull more, which creates leverage on the bit, which for a racehorse, they actually lean into the bit to help propel themselves forward. Mm -hmm. So I work on teaching my horses how to be relaxed and comfortable on a loose, a loose um, rein so that they actually almost have to carry themselves more. They're used to kind of being held up. So I find that the, those three big pieces of kind of the, the ability to le- transfer how they work with pressure, uh, their ability to connect with humans and see them as kind of like, it's okay to just kind of be a soft, squishy, lovable, like, oh, this is great and not just have a job. And then the third piece really being teaching a person and also then it's translating for the horse what pressure on the bit means and how to respond to it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So Kyle, you also are doing the makeover this year with worthy of wings. Are you finding that she's right. also having some of these tendencies as well? Like what have you noticed with Worthy's um, most noticeable issues in your training? Yeah. So, so first to note is that worthy raced 138 times. So she had a very, a very long career. Um, her first 87 starts were on the mainland and then 50, her last 51 were in Puerto Rico. So she came up from Puerto Rico in November. Um, I have not put a bridle on her yet or a saddle or I haven't been on her. I tend to give my horses a lot of letdown time. I have the, the benefit of not having to, I'm not a commercial operation. So I have the ability to give them a lot of time. And then I do a lot of groundwork from the beginning. With that being said, the biggest uh, issue for Worthy has really just been connecting with people. So not that she's been, she's not disconnected. Like she's not like some of them, like Binky who I had last year was very disconnected from people. She would choose to run um, and potentially even fight back sometimes versus Worthy is very interested. She'll follow me around, but she doesn't want to look at me or kind of shape around me. And that kind of banana shape when you're walking on their left or their right, you want to kind of that banana shape around you. So they're, they're kind of formed to you. She is very obedient, very structured. You go in her stall, she moves out of the way, she moves to the side. But her biggest challenge so far has been that connection with people. And I think that that's what I've focused on for the last few months. It's become like we're now I'm leading her in and out of her paddock with just a neck rope. We're not quite at the Liberty standpoint of saying I can have her follow me around at Liberty out of paddock or pasture. But she is able to, you know, with just a neck rope, stick with me to go to the barn. Very, very calm that way. Um, And it's one of those getting her when I walk up to her stall gate that she comes to me rather than kind of steps back out of the way. So that's been the, the big challenge with her. She's a really special mare though. She's Ohio bred and, and racing 138 times um, has, and she's 14. So she's, she's going to be a very different retrain. Man, that is a uh, war horse. Yeah. The definition. Totally. Of. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and, she's and uh, so, what I'm calling an iron war horse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's yeah been around. Good job. And where she came from, was it the Carib- Caribbean Caribbean Third Aftercare? Yeah. yeah. And yeah, so Caribbean Third Aftercare, which does a lot of work in Puerto Rico. Sorry, Joy, go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, with all the hurricanes and things that they've had, there's got to be yep. some some other issues that you don't typically see with most thoroughbreds coming into your yeah. training. Yeah. So she gets stressed. I mean, she definitely gets stressed with high wind. Um, she's a She's not a weaver thing. She will occasionally have a little bit of weaving, but her bigger thing is she's one of um, what I call like a lip smacker, right? So she wants to do a lot of the, the she'll chew, but it's a nervous chew and the kind of that tenseness in the mouth. So the relaxation side for her. And then when we had really high winds about a week ago, 60 mile per hour winds, and she was rearing in her stall, basically having a, a meltdown. And I, you know, but, but what's great about her is we've worked so much on connection now that when I go in the stall with her, she just wants to nuzzle and hang out. 
So she went from, even with the wins, I'm not worried about her like losing it and running me over, but on her own, watching her from the, the, the security camera, you can tell that she's, you know, this is not, this is not fun for me. And, and you can think about metal flying around and, and those pieces there, it definitely was a different environment through the hurricane. Got, this like, is my second hurricane horse. So. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And thankfully I had a horse last Binky, my, my makeover mare from 2018, uh, Binky had raced 96 times and came up from Puerto Rico. She had a much harder life than Worthy. Worthy came off the track sound. Um, great, like really nice, clean legs for a horse that raced as much as she did. Whereas Binky had been what looked like injected weekly. I mean, she was definitely, um, she had foundered actually in Puerto Rico after the hurricane. She ended up uh, with laminitis and uh, from just the watery conditions and things. She was a, a much more of a rehab case. Worthy is very fit, very you know, takes care of herself. So, but it was nice having that, having had Binky and learning a lot from Binky last year about, Hey, I hadn't even thought about what a living through a hurricane would be like and learning from the amazing people at Caribbean River Aftercare, Kelly and Shelly about like how the horses are, what, what the conditions are like in Puerto Rico at the track, um, helped me understand and be prepared more for when Worthy arrived. So I have a question then, um, what are yeah. you planning on entering her in, in the makeover? Yeah, so we had I had the vet out a week ago, and and we got an all clear that she's very sound. So knowing that, um, I'll start her under work, and we'll aim for dressage. Whether we will do Western dressage or English dressage, because that's an option this year, I'm not wow. sure if we'll be doing Western or English dressage. Um, and then we will uh, most likely do competitive trail, just because it's something that I've done every year, uh, as as those two. And it, it always comes down to a matter of what she's ready for. If we have a great connection at Liberty, we might do a freestyle and scratch and not do trail. But right now we're, we're targeted more toward the dressage ring and competitive trail. Cool. Well, best of luck yeah. to you. And yeah. I'm, I'm really you. excited now. I heard you had some sort of announcement to make. Yes. Yes, I do. So Worthy, actually. So one thing I want to do this year is, is really help encourage people who follow Worthy. I tend to get a good following for my horses and I want to want to give something back more this year and make it really fun to follow her. So since Worthy raced 138 times, I'm tying that into a cash giveaway. So each month um, I'll have a monthly winner. It'll all be posted through my Facebook page at facebook.com slash OTTB guy. And we're going to be giving away a total of $1,104 that works out from, so each month uh, a charity of the choosing of the winner for the month will receive $87. So each month it'll be a different charity receiving $87. And then the other $51, so equivalent to where these Puerto Rico races, will go into a pot. So there will be a final cash prize of $408 that will go to a winner during the week of the makeover. So an individual will walk away with $400, a little over $400. And then each, um, each month, a charity will be receiving $87 donation based on who wins the contest that month. Say that's a perfect amount to walk around with in your pocket at the makeover because I'm pretty sure there's some shopping vendors yeah. there. <laughs> there are there are definitely shopping vendors and there are also horses there so it can be a nice oh, down payment on a horse nice. but uh, i know i know Dangerous. you enjoy you know you enjoy that and if you go with a horse to sell you're coming home with an empty spot so but yeah we'll do uh I, my goal for it is <laughs> my goal is to help with education and involvement so some of the points will be around visiting a racetrack so checking in at a racetrack for a race um others will be around donation of time or money to organizations that are thoroughbred related and then just fun trivia and like selfie challenges and things like that around, you know, taking your picture with a makeover horse or connecting. And I want people to really to jump in and learn more about racing, but also use this as a tool for people to connect with the makeover more and connect with the organizations that do so much to make the makeover possible. 
And who's eligible? Anyone. So anyone who, anyone on my Facebook page, it'll be people with horses or not. The challenges are things I made sure the things that my mom could do, who is not a horse person so that some, anyone can get involved and, you know, anyone can go to the racetrack. Anyone can donate their time at a horse organization or, you know, purchase apparel that helps, helps support organizations. Oh, how, I mean, I just think this is so amazing, Kyle, that you're putting this together. And so how can people follow this and apply to win? Yeah. So as soon as this, uh, as soon as everyone's heard it on here, they can go to my Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash OTTB guy, G-U-I. And uh, everything will be shared through there. And it might direct you at some point to my website or, or other websites for trivia questions, but everything will be moderated and, and tracked through my Facebook page. Cool. And, and if anyone wants to learn more about you, Kyle, where can they find you? So on Facebook, you just search for OTTB guy. That's my handle on Facebook. And my website is OTTBtraining.com. Uh, there's information there as well, but there are your, your two main sources. Awesome. Well, good luck to you. And we'll have to have a cocktail when we get down to Kentucky for the makeover. We'll all be there. Oh, for sure. I'm excited you're joining this year. So we'll be, I, uh, we'll definitely thrilled. have cocktails. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Kyle. <laughs> Bye. Yep. Thanks. Bye. And from the back of the pack on the outside, commanding curve is taken second. But California Chrome shines right in the Kentucky Derby. And now it's time for the New Vocations Winner's Circle Adoptable Horse of the Week. Well, we've got Leandra Cooper on from New Vocations. And Leandra, tell us about our Adoptable Horse of the Month. Well, you're so money. I hate to say it because I love them all, but he is one of my favorites, not only because he is one who's unraced and has no injuries. So he's one of those special kind of guys, but also he has such an easygoing personality. He is one, you know, we hesitate always to recommend the horses that we have in our program as being beginner friendly but this guy he's one that we will sort of skirt that line and I like to say that he is that sort of husband horse type and we know us horse people we sort of know what we mean when we say that so what I mean by that is he's super predictable super comfortable which is always nice because then you can sort of cater to the husband and let him have a really nice ride but you know, even more so, he's sturdy, he's brave, he's got all of the qualities that you're looking for in just a reliable, sweet horse. Well, he is a 16-hand thoroughbred chestnut gelding, and what's amazing about him is, aside from the adorable face that he has, he has no white feet, which lends him to have these nice, black solid hooves on him Mm -hmm. and they he just looks i i mean i'm trying to say it without saying brick you know s house but he's like he's (laughs) a big solid healthy looking guy absolutely if you want an easy keeper he's your guy easy feet easy to feed and all around he just you couldn't ask for a more amicable horse I mean, I'm watching his videos right now and he's just easygoing, happy as can be. I mean, he looks like the horse is just in your pocket all the time. You know what he is, Joy? He's so money. 
Okay. He's so He's money. So money. <laughs> oh, wait a second. Exactly. His name is You're So Money, M-U-N-N-Y. I love it. Who is he by? He's by money. Appropriately so. Okay, perfect. <laughs> well, his profile is at horseadoption.com, and that's the New Vocations website. Just look for your so money, M-U-N-N-Y. And again, that is our New Vocations highlighted horse of the week. You can find our show notes and links to today's guest on our website at retiredracehorseradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search for Retired Racehorse Radio. Or follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. You can find me on Facebook or email Jamie at horseradionetwork.com. Joy is cool enough to have an Instagram. <laughs> Tell everybody what that is. Yes, you can find or follow me on Instagram at Joy H Equestrian or email me at joy at horseradionetwork.com. Thank you again to our sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products, Riding Warehouse, and Smooth Stride Jeans. And don't forget to check out all our other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Remember, don't forget to set your goals high and love to learn from every ride. And spay, neuter, and geld. Bye, guys. Peace.